Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody. This is the second episode of Series 2 of The Ruck, the Times and Sunday Times podcast. Wherever you're listening to us, however you've downloaded or subscribed to us, thanks a million. And uh, last week, after uh, episode one, we got some complaints about the sound quality. Apparently, it was far too good. You've all been used to us uh, recording in uh, bathrooms, toilets, uh, car parks on the last tour. So we're really sorry this time if it was all too clear and you could hear what we said. As the All Blacks uh, and Manu Tulangi and others have uh, shown lately, bad behaviour in rugby is... um, is reaching some sort of peak um, and it's rather upsetting t- for a game that um, has such high standards of behaviour. Rugby writers must stand uh, uh, set an example uh, for all this, but apparently at the wreck on Saturday, <laughs> there were reports of one writer swilling cider, including downing a pint of cider in one before the game, staggering about with his mates and generally becoming a real nuisance. Um, Owen, you and I were both at, at the wreck. Did you hear these reports? <laughs> I, I didn't just hear them. I, I saw them. It was upsetting for everyone who was doing a professional job that day. Alex, mm. where were you on Which game were you at on Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I went to see uh, Bar Saracens on Saturday. Okay, we didn't see you in the press box, though. No. No, I was, uh, I was there in hospitality. Mm. Um, okay, yeah, I was the one who was handed a pint by Ross Batty, along with the, the uh, other best man and the stag, and, and told to down it in front of everybody. Okay. So last, yeah, I'm getting a bit of reputation. Last week I had to down a pint that was laced with chilli vodka after the we beat the RFU at cricket. Yeah. This week it was at the wreck. I think I need to clean up my act a little bit. Will you be returned to journalism anytime soon? Or? <laughs> uh, after this. Okay, excellent. Well, today we've got with us Owen Slot of The Times, Alex Lowe, uh, on balance, still at the Times, <laughs> and um, none other than the godmother of sports writing in the United Kingdom, the strict chairman of the Rugby Union Writers Club, and so tough if you file one hour late for Rugby World that she sets the hounds of hell on you. Welcome, Sarah Mockford. I can't even speak. Thanks, thanks for that intro. Well, that's Andy for coming on the podcast. (laughs) Guys, um, just run through one memory of the past week since we were with our listeners last. What's happened and what struck you? What's your favourite or what's your most striking moment? Owen? Like like Alex, I was at uh, the Bath game on on Saturday and um, I was able to take it all in. And uh, and it was actually a great day, um, a really enthralling match. uh, uh, Rocco Daguni was brilliant at the end and um, produced um, uh, or incited something that's very typical in, in sports journalism. Player has a great game. Everyone says, why isn't he playing for England? Um, which is, is a very valid conversation which we've had for ages. One thing I really liked about it afterwards is normally when, you, when you're when you in those sort of situations, um, uh, say, for instance, with 
die young at Wasps or Mark McCall at, at Saracens. You say, what? why isn't Alex Good of Saracens playing for England and Mark McCall goes, oh, it's, it's an outrage. And uh, why isn't Dan Robson of Wasps playing for, for England and, and Die Young um, d- defends him and says, oh, it's, it's Eddie Jones doesn't see what, how great he is. But um, Todd Blackadder just sat there and said, well, we know why he's not playing for England. It's because his defence isn't that good. And that's what we're really working on. And then when it, when it is a bit better, then he'll, then he'll be good enough to play for them. So I love that balance that someone's actually, actually saying, my player was great today, but he's still got a lot of work to do. And maybe England should wait a little while longer. Sarah. Um, well, I was at Northampton and I saw the, the probably the end of the Saracens Bath game was probably the most exciting thing that happened there in the press room. But actually, I'm going to say Argentina leading New Zealand at half time in the rugby championship. I thought that was a um, really great game. New Zealand have uncovered yet another back rower who can just do magical things in Vea Fafita and apparently can run the 100 metres in under 10 seconds. He's one of their fastest players and he plays at blindside. So it was just a really good game. Great to see Argentina give them a go. It's just a shame they couldn't hold on for the whole 80 and get that first ever win over the All Blacks. Is, is Kano third choice six now? In the, inside well, Kano's got a few sk- off-field issues to deal with, hasn't he? Yeah. A bit like Alex. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. Alex, what do you think? As someone who has this link to Kano through off-field issues, <laughs> I mean, he's, so seriously, so so he he missed a game for for family Did reason. Very different off-field issues. <laughs> yeah. Okay, oh, but, Alex. <laughs> Liam Squire played one game, played pretty well, if I remember, and then um, the the sort of new all-black genius stepped in uh, on Saturday, and all of a sudden Kano's like, well, eighty-one caps. Um, I don't think it's all of a sudden. He wasn't that good on the Lions tour. I didn't think he didn't play particularly well against the Lions. Um, he is quite. He's definitely in that veteran category now, isn't he? Like yeah, and for Fita, that was. Extreme. I mean, that try, which I remember watching on an iPhone somewhere, <laughs> some gutter around Bath, was was um, spectacular. It shows the kind of athletes that they they can produce if they. They, they, they go shopping in Fiji. See, Tonga, I think. I see so, my yeah. efforts to stop people fawning all over. The All Blacks have fallen on stony ground again. <laughs> Alex, your, your highlight. Well, uh, well I haven't got, I've got that many memories of the last <laughs> week. Um, but I, I would say, so same game, but um, I mean, Rocco's finish was brilliant. I thought, I think Alex Zazowski is a very, very good player. But I thought Owen Farrell, when he came on, turned the game for Saracens to the point where they were almost over the line. And as you wrote, um, as you both wrote, there was a feeling of inevitability about it, which and what was so impressive about Bath was the way they stopped that. But I thought the impact that Owen made showed the difference between a very good player in Alex Zazowski, who can play test rugby to the very best. I thought he, he took hold of that game superbly and ran the show for and almost got Saracens over the line. I thought he was brilliant. I, I, I agree with those. M- mine really is, is to do with the stadium. I mean, Ever since I started in journalism hundreds of years ago, Bath have been set sending out press releases which say that our new stadium is about to be started, etc. That was hundreds of years ago. In fact, when they, the original plans were drawn up by Sir Christopher Wren for the Bath <laughs> Stadium. But um, again, we hear it's almost there. But So whenever you go to the wreck, you think, God, what about this place? When are they ever going to do anything? Half the crowd can't see. It's falling down. You know what? And then, of course, when the the, the popular sides down, they get soaked, which they did on Saturday. But when when old um, Rocco Daguli picked up that ball and ran with it, you look at that popular side over there going completely bananas in this lovely setting. And when the day when the weather got better, it was even sunny. And you think, blimey, you know, when this place finally goes, which it should, you might even miss it. Sarah Northampton Leicester. 
big game for both sides. In the end, it was Leicester who were quite badly beaten. Is there a crisis there or are we missing something? I don't want to get into crisis talk. It sounds like football. Hasn't that Crystal Palace manager just been sacked after four games? We don't want to, you know, Leicester had enough sackings of coaches last season. But I think there's been all that hype about that Leicester backline, how exciting it's going to be. And it's just not clicking. Obviously, Manu's been ruled out for three months now. Um, Ford still probably trying to get to grips with those new players around him. They didn't really look like creating anything on Saturday. They were beaten up up front as well. And I think, oh, Alex has got something to say oh, here. No. So we're just a minute. So it's not clicking because they can't win the ball. So up it's front. not a crisis if Leicester are beaten up up front. In your own words, well, I just that's a crisis to me. I just don't like using the word crisis two games into the season. What? Which word? Crisis. Okay, so we don't like using <laughs> the word crisis, Alex. Oh, no, I was going to sorry to interrupt um, the godmother of. British sports Can we journalism. Not, that is not catching on. <laughs> it makes me sound really old. What would you rather? All right, auntie. No, that's no. even worse. All right, the young god, the young godmother, says she didn't like the word crisis. That looks like a crisis to me, Alex. So all, all I was going to say was, um, I thought the recruitment of Johnny May was very smart. It adds great potency. He had a great first game, but but in in getting him and losing Ed Slater, I thought it was a very odd decision at the time, because one of the things they they lacked last season was was a foothold up front, and if there's any player who can give you a bit of grunt and, and a bit of grind up front. It's it's someone like Ed Slater. And, and I know they've they brought Callum Afoni in, but I thought he was shown up again in, in the bits that I've seen. And, and yeah, I think they, they get edge in the back line through Ed Slater, through uh, Tony May, but they weren't they weren't lacking that. They were lacking a foothold and some kind of a, a bit of nastiness, a bit of beast up front, and that is Ed Slater, and they let him go. It was a strange bit of business for me because they've weakened an area that needed to be strengthened. Oh, in this um, thing about um, Rocco Duguni not being able to tackle, not being able to be a defender, is that a great big long list that I've missed of gaffes he's made that have cost tries? Because I can't remember many. It's, some, it's not so much that, that he will miss a tackle, it's his, more his positioning that they've been working on that... that um, that is the criticism handed down from Eddie Jones that that, that Blackadder um, was uh, uh, was did, did not disagree with. Uh, if your positioning's wrong, then you're not spotted so often missing a tackle, are you? Um, so I think that's the point there. I'm also told that Eddie wants to see. Um, we, we know that what what Eddie likes in his uh, wingers, Jack Nowell in particular, the, the the player who who will follow the game and work his, work out how to to play his way into it, uh, rather than just sitting on the wing. And I, and I don't think Rocco does much of that either, um, though. Um, he did that pretty well for that try, didn't he? Well, to me, he doesn't have to do that. I mean, I think England lost one of their, the greatest wings they've ever had in Ben Cohen when they tried to make him a beast up the, up the fringes and they forgot that he was a brilliant finisher. So I think, I think there's a balance there. Just go through the, the other games just, very quickly. Just, can I just say yeah. something else? On Rocco, I would, I would have loved Eddie to have stuck with him because he's clearly the, he's clearly the sort of player who thrives in that Bath environment where he feels... Very much at home, very much loved, and and he gets a pat on the back all, all the time. You know that, that's what confidence players are. He seems to be one of those. So he, we saw what happened with Lancaster. He had one game out. Um, Eddie Jones last year brought him in for one game, and then he was out again. Uh, I, I don't think you're ever going to get um, a England superstar Rocco Dagoni if that's the way he's handled. Not only did he, Eddie bring him back in, he brought him back in and said, the one thing you cannot do with Rocco. Just yeah. pick him and then drop him again. And literally a week later, he'd picked him and dropped him again. Well, I think we've already gave a fair all airing to what I consider to be the real erratic nature of England selection last week. So we'll, let's press on. Uh, Sale Newcastle, uh, wouldn't say they started the weekend off with a bang on Friday evening. A very poor game. Sale incredibly 
uh, almost sort of cowed by it in, in some way. A very poor game, which Newcastle, God bless them, sneaked out of. Um, Exeter, London Irish, nothing more predictable than Exeter rebounding uh, uh, Sarah off the back of a... Uh, of a defeat? No, especially at home. I think they probably would have been really frustrated to lose that opening game at Gloucester and easy win for them in the end. I think London Irish, you know, after the excitement of winning that first game at Twickenham, probably a bit of back to reality. And uh, Alex, um, Gloucester won their first game on a tide of emotion. They had to surely win away at Quinns if they were to establish themselves in the early seasons as a contender. Somehow predictable, though, that they didn't. It is predictable. Well, if I think last week we talked about that middle chunk of teams and how hard it, it is to predict where they might finish, and that's a quite a good example of of fairly evenly matched teams. Harlequins have had a, a pretty poor start to the season, and um, uh, Twickenham and needed needed that result. Um, I, I spent a lot of last week talking to people who know Marcus Smith, the eighteen year old fly half, um, and I'm, I'm always wary of you know a new player on the scene picking him up too early before he's actually done anything, which which we then did because I wrote a thousand words on it. Um, but but he um, yeah, he's showing his maturity. And everyone I spoke to, Nick Evans, his coaches at, at Brighton College, um, speak effusively about him as a, as a character and a, and a player. I think Nick, Nick said he's 25-year-old. He's got a brain of a 25-year-old in the body of an 18-year-old. So they need to look after him physically. Um, but he, he came on when Kachakilis got... A nasty injury, and he's, he's still in hospital as we speak. Yeah, he? so he could end up getting more game time, I think. Apparently, Catraclis has fractured a bone in his throat or something, oh. which meant he stopped breathing for a few seconds on the pitch. Really oh. scary stuff. So um, he got a really early day, uh, well, came on really early in that game, yeah. Marcus Smith. So be interesting to see. I would have thought, it doesn't sound like Catraclis is going to be out for months, but I doubt he's going to play this weekend. And I think... Tim Sweel's also injured at the moment, so... OK, so... Uh, come so back for Nick Evans. Nick Evans come back, yeah. <laughs> Our new meteor at, at Quinns is going to have a chance. Like I said, I, I don't think... I think Gloucester really, really had to win that if they were going to be... If we're going to say, yeah, they are better, and, and they didn't. The interesting about that Gloucester thing is you mentioned Ed Slater and Johnny May and that is sort of an interesting swap. Um, so we got Tigers against Gloucester next weekend. So it's... Big game for both of them. Absolutely. Have a bit of a result on who's at, who was actually ahead in that piece of transfer business. Um, uh, well, I would I would expect Leicester to to um to come through, but it's an interesting tie, that isn't it? Yesterday we saw Worcester play far better than they had away at Newcastle. Very competitive, but actually something in the in the lack of confidence showed through because they did have chances to really inconvenience Wasp. Then in the last few minutes, Wasp was pulled clear. I think Worcester actually are better than people think. I think they've got a big injury list, and when they all come back, they're uh, they'll be competitive. And as far as Wasp go, I was delighted to see one of my favourite players, Jake Cooper Woolley, come back. N- hardly ever fit last season. Kept on getting these niggles. He's absolutely fearsome yesterday and I think he's a massive England contender if only he can stay fit. Rest of the time, Owen, uh, was, n- was not as impressive as normal. No, Wasps have got this uh, a very exciting backline as well, albeit that um, Elliot Daly's not um, been reintroduced from uh, his Lions triumphs yet. And it was interesting watching them yesterday with a fair amount of possession, uh, not really finding a way through a very strong Worcester defence. Uh, Worcester were doing quite a lot of what we've seen already this season, of not 
challenging, particularly at the breakdown and spreading out, and um, and their wall of defence was good, and and Wasps really did struggle. You could have seen it going against them, but but they were sort of pounding and pounding, and 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 certainly got there in the end with something to spare. Um, uh, Elliot Daly might um might make the difference. What I thought I saw um in the rugby paper yesterday, Jerry Guscott called Elliot Daly the best three quarter in the whole of Europe. That's um, a reasonable statement. So um so they'll they'll like to have him back then, won't they? Pro fourteen um new look uh, uh, immediately in crisis. Some would say, <laughs> um, but um, let's be fair, Sarah. The Southern Kings and the Cheetahs, they've added a bit of colour, they've added some broadcast revenue. What they haven't added at the moment is any rugby. Is that a crisis? Should we we be worried about those two? I think it was always going to be really difficult for them. You know, you've got to remember their season ended in June and then all of a sudden, a few months later, when they had to get rid of loads of players thinking they weren't going to be playing any Super Rugby next year, they're in another competition. So I think the Southern Kings originally had 15 players left when they first got into the league. So... I think it's going to take a long time. It'll, I think the real interest starts this week because this is when they play their first home games and that's going to be the test. All the teams are going out there. They go out in two-week spells. So I think it's Leinster and Zebra this coming week. They play both teams and then they come back. That's when these teams have a chance to sort of get their first points on the board. But I think this was always going to be as tough season for them as a real struggle really I, I agree and uh, very very interesting to see the the crowd's interest there and and exactly how they get on but if the South Africans are struggling well what about Wales uh, Ospreys Dragons and um, uh, Cardiff Blues have some really melancholy results so far athlete keeping the the red dragon flying but um Again, you know, you just do wonder about the competitiveness of the new division. Clannathley are going to have to be good. But uh, will anyone stop uh, Leinster, Munster, Ulster uh, from dominating the top? We'll see. It's only early days. No crisis, as uh, Sarah <laughs> is fond of saying. Now, Can we just mention Alex Wooten, the Munster winger, only the second um, Munster player to score four tries in one game for them? It's like a stat, courtesy of Stuart Farmer, I should say. Who's the first? Mike Mullins in 2001. That's we all knew that. We all knew that. Um, and Blair Kinghorn for Edinburgh seems to be playing really well this season as well. Richard Cockrell's got them going very well this season. So okay. it's so nice to see you... them coming back up, even if you're right, the Welsh teams are struggling. You've got to remember the Welsh teams are without their Lions. Like they've all be, They were all given eight weeks off. I think the Ospreys Lions have only just come back into training. So they are without a lot of their bigger name players. And the Ospreys are in a state of flux with Bigger announcing he's leaving and Webb now rumoured to be moving to France, so they could lose both halfbacks by the end of the year. That was quite informative by Sarah, wasn't it? That was brilliant. You can have me on every week if you I want. I don't know any of that. That's why she's the godmother. <laughs> Sarah, did you talk about those games in South Africa? Have you managed to get yourself on the trip? Oh, sadly not. Rugby World's budgets are not going to stretch to that, I don't think. Seriously, but if the South African Tourist Board wants to... Uh, I'm not in charge of the budget. You, I thought you were in charge of Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Do everything. Not really, Don't no. Okay. Um, 
we're now going to move on to a brand new competition, the Tyrell's Premiership, Premier 15s. Um, Tyrell's the crisp manufacturer. And let's be fair, if that takes any income away from that smug Gary Lineker with Walker's crisps, <laughs> it'll be worthwhile. Because you see the money he's on at BBC. It's like 1.2 million or something like that. So let's hope that the uh, uh, latter crisps, soggy that they are, go down in flames. And Tyrell's, who are now sponsoring the burgeoning women's game, go from strength to strength. And apparently... There were free crisps given away at the launch last week because yeah. Sarah said she had five. I think it's Tyrrells, actually. Tyrrells, Tyrrells, but, um, Tyrrells. Tyrrells. Yeah, I went to the launch on Thursday. It was one of the best launches. Came away with five massive bags of crisps. Excellent. Can't go wrong with that, can you? The tournament starts this uh, this, this weekend. <laughs> Ten teams uh, augmented by funding from the rugby union, which will enable them to, to, to build up their backroom staff, S&C, coaching, and put them very much on the rails as a sort of uh, a, a premiership and, uh, and, uh, and a professional organisation. But Sarah, professional except for salaries at the moment. Yeah, so I think the idea with this was to put the money into... So the teams that have got in also had to prove that they had finances that could you know, sustain this. For th- and it's a three years that it'll be these 10 teams. There's a lot of upset that Litchfield didn't make the cut. They'll have a chance to sort of re-enter in 2019, 2020. But the, mo- the money is supposed to go for coaches, strength and conditioning, the medical team, analysis and all that sort of thing. So it's very professional off the field, but the players aren't paid. And I think the idea is to build it up to try and make it a more competitive competition. I think this year we'll see a lot of one-sided games, which the, pre- the women's premiership sort of known for anyway. And you've got like Loughborough Lightning, they're a brand new team. We don't, no one knows how they're going to do. So I think there will be some one-sided games, which isn't great for a new competition. But in three years' time, hopefully it'll be more even. Standards will raise, given that off-field support. And then eventually down the line, I don't think that's going to be a soon thing. I think that'll be more like maybe a decade. They might start paying players. But that in itself will throw up questions because I was talking to someone at Wasps. They're obviously part of the amateur arm of Wasps. If they end up then having paying players, that will cause an issue in itself as to what where they end up going. And um, some of the, the clubs are not actually as, as twinned with their senior brethren as they might be. For instance, Wasser not playing in Coventry, Wasser playing back at... Um, Twyford. Uh, in, in, in Twyford. That's because they're linked to the amateur club, not yeah. to the professional setup. OK. Sarah, I think it'd be nice for, for anyone who'd, who'd like to see the, uh, the girls play in, the, in this first week. Can we just whiz very quickly through the fixture list, please? On Saturday, you've got Loughborough Lightning against Worcester at Loughborough University, Furwood Waterloo against Saracens at the Memorial Ground, Wasps against Harlequins at Twyford Avenue, Darlington Moden Park against Gloucester Hartbury at the Northern Echo Arena, and then on Sunday it's Bristol against Richmond at Cleve. I think the biggest thing for me when I look down the fixtures is it's disappointing there's not as many games that are twinned with men's fixtures, so like Harlequins are playing at the Stoop a few times, Worcester are playing at the Six Ways every home game but the I mean I could be wrong on this and we'll probably get some complaints or something but the only game I could see that really married up with a men's game is in December Harlequin Saracens at the Stoop which is coming after the equivalent men's game in the Premiership I don't know why that is I would have thought that would be a really obvious thing like after Northampton Leicester on Saturday they played the A-League equivalent fixture like people hanging around maybe don't want to get the train when it's packed straight after seems like an obvious thing to sort of give it to a new audience but it, d- it does but i think in these days where you've got to have a certain logos pasted all over the pitch for tv it's a struggle television know, premiership probably have their own crisp deal don't they Te- television. That, that's something they should be looking to overcome though isn't it it just makes sense what you're saying sarah 
I mean, I don't it's make probably because this is an unusual, but it does. <laughs> I think it's because this is an RFU competition, whereas the other ones, obviously, the A League is linked to the Premiership, so maybe it's easier to do that. And it's not like all the Premiership teams are in the Tyrrell's Premier 15. Who are you supporting, Alex? <clears throat> um, I'm a neutral. That's a professional approach, isn't yeah. it? Oh, oh, in, well, um, there aren't any clubs near me in uh, in Oxford. I think Richmond's probably my nearest. Oh, and you, you're you're a, you're, a, you're a Richmond member of Richmond. Yeah, um, they had a really good team last year. Don't seem to be so strong this year. I wonder where the, their players seem to have gone to Quinns, don't they? The scandal of uh, of Southwest London. Um, so Richmond have have really um, pushed the women's side uh, very impressively for years, and have had um, one of the best women's teams for the last decade. And then for last season, um, uh, from this. Uh, Title-winning side, the um, the coach left, and uh, miraculously, extraordinarily, uh, a whole army of, of the best players left as well. They went to a, a club called Aylesford Bulls, and then for this season, Aylesford Bulls suddenly have have um, twinned with Quins and now have just become Harlequins. So, uh, via a very roundabout route, some exceedingly good players have moved a, about a mile and a half down the road from Richmond to Harlequins. So, a bit unsatisfactory, feeling a bit miserable about that. But the, 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 that's it. All these got to start somewhere. I mean, the Premiership was poor when it started, and that, that just wish all the teams every success. And it's a great initiative. Uh, I don't think it's perfect. I think I think Litchfield will um, will regret not being in it, but they do, and I think probably slightly unfairly. Uh, Alex, you looking forward to it? Yeah, very much so. I was just going to add in. You talked about the, your favourite Chris Company and and the the um, sort of momentum behind women's rugby. We've talked about the World Cup last week, but that. This sponsorship deal is worth um, six figures, which I think is quite a lot of money for for a company. It gives them some rights at Twickenham, but it's quite a lot of money to to invest in a brand new competition as a sponsor deal straight up, um, which I just think reflects that um, that, that women's rugby might be on on the move somewhere. Is that more than the the Naviva paid for the Premiership? (laughs) Because Naviva got it for almost nothing, didn't they? Yeah, significantly less than they paid last year. Okay, just just before we move on, um, uh, I think it was a a good and bad week for for the women's game because uh, the RFU announced the England Sevens squad, which is now the only squad that is uh, professional and um, contained only a small number of the Rugby World Cup um, the, the Rugby World Cup team, which valiantly uh, got to the final of the of the World Cup, and the idea that they're going to uh, break the momentum of the 15s at a time when so many people watched them on on live TV and on terrestrial TV, uh, just for sevens, to me is patently horribly ridiculous. The, they they don't have any capability to parade themselves in front of the English audience. That only happens in the in the Six Nations. Really, it's beyond beyond um, parody in a way, and I hope I hope they think again. But having said that, let's uh, wish the girls and and the new tournament and the coaches all the best. Nice to see that some of the coaches are female for this uh, tournament. Also, um, you mentioned that Loughborough are going to struggle, uh, Sarah. Uh, Loughborough's player coach is Sarah Hunter. If Sarah says it's Tuesday, it's Tuesday. So <laughs> I think uh, you never know if she's playing. Maybe they won't. Fair point, fair point. Okay, uh, panellists, this week the Premiership moves to Philadelphia where Newcastle plays Saracens. Uh, it's become an occasional <clears throat> but actually now quite regular um, thing for 
uh, teams to take an official uh, premiership game over there, not just some sort of uh, friendly missionary game. Alex, what's the uh, significance of this Philadelphia game on Saturday evening, our time between Newcastle and Saracens? Well, on its own, there is no individual significance to it. It's just a it, it's a regular season game, but it's it's part of what we're seeing um, in the Northern Hemisphere, the expansion of club rugby. We've just talked about the uh, the Pro 14 having two rounds this weekend down in South Africa with the South African teams being home first. It's it's not dissimilar to that. that the Premiership have got eyes on, on the USA just as the Pro 14 have eyes on the USA. It's about marketing. It's about trying to expand, attract um, fans. It, it's, a, it's a monetary thing. Attract fans, attract sponsorship and try and grow the game. Um, it's not a missionary expedition um, at all. Yeah, they, they wouldn't, they're not doing it out of the kindness of their heart. They're trying to grow the game and, and, and attract new audiences. NBC show Premiership Rugby in, in the States, paying a lot of money for it, but attracting some pretty decent audiences. So it, it really helps that side of things as well. Um, Pro 14 are looking at the USA. to They want to establish a team on the East Coast. Their next round of expansion, I think, will include a team from America. So there's a real... There's a real drive to try and um, sort of a land grab almost in, in the states between the Pro 14 and uh, and the Premiership. Um, but I think a lot of it's to do with it's commercial and it's television and and the Premiership obviously relish their uh, relationship with NBC and the, and the audiences they get through that. So yeah. I think that's why I have to say the NBC thing is very impressive because uh, with Dan Lyle and Alex Corbusier on there, yeah. it's obviously got they got two two good colourful guys on there. Before, um, before we. Before we start, we were chatting about this beforehand, and Sarah made a very observa- uh, interesting observation about Saracen's involvement in these games. <laughs> really, I, was, I thought it was interesting. Obviously, the only other previous game yeah. there's been was London Irish Saracens in New Jersey two seasons ago when London Irish lost in the Premiership, and I'm pretty sure that was also deemed London Irish's home game. So Saracens have been in both involved in both of these, but they haven't had to sacrifice their own. Home game. Oh, clever, it's isn't it? very Crafty. clever, and also you know Newcastle is so difficult to beat at home. They know throwing away home advantage. You know, they might have done Saris a bit of damage. That's not unusual because I mean, Harlequins only play as the away team in the double header on the opening game of the season. Uh, I mean, opening day of the season because they have their big game at, at Twickenham a couple of months later. So, and Saracens, I think when Ed Griffiths was there, always said they would be happy to go and play these games abroad, but they don't want to to lose out on the on the income from Allianz Park. Probably because they would have their big game at Wembley as well each year. Yeah. So that's probably one they would move away. Sarah, you've already mentioned the Rugby Championship. I have to say that um, when I knew that Argentina were leading at half-time, far from being excited, was I knew they'd cave in. Because uh, however well they played, they're now in a ludicrous situation of trying to play super-style rugby and without their players from abroad, which is absolutely ludicrous because all their players have always been abroad. And in so short a time after coming into the Rugby Championship, to start discarding them, they've got all these great players scattered around you're not even using. It's just suicidal. Steve, and, would this qualify as, as pretty much your pet hate of the season so far? The pet hate of the, of the week. Of the pet week? of the week. I love Argentina, as we all do. They're my favourite second team after um, Risco Rugby Club. And <laughs> they are just flushing it down the, down the toilet, I'm afraid. Sarah, your Argentina Antillian darlings. <laughs> Sorry, what's the question? Well, you said you were really excited by them. I was. But... I actually got off of the sofa when they scored at half-time. Oh, I was like really excited. I knew that they probably would lose, but at least they made it competitive. I think that's the first time they've maybe led at half-time against New Zealand. I take your point. It is that big juggling 
act for them. What's the name of that back rower that moved to Toulon? Yeah, so he's a brilliant player. He's a prime example. So Hmm. unfortunately, they can't compete with that finances, but they are trying to do what New Zealand do and say, if you don't play in the country, you're not going to get picked. And then they've unearthed this um, winger who can kick it from about 10 metres inside his own half. So it's not like they're not uncovering other players, but that is a hard balance for them to strike. And I think it'll take a few more years before they are competitive. I thought they'd be far more competitive in Super Rugby than they have been, given that it is practically a you, test team. So you, you can uncover someone from Argentine domestic rugby. I'll tell you something, whoever he is or whatever he can do, he won't be up to rugby championship standards for ages. Oh, Owen, uh, anyone going to beat New Zealand or is it a procession? No, I don't think it is a procession. New Zealand... Um uh, have got away with their last two games where they've uh, not been the um, uh, regal champions of the world that we used to, or we were before the Lions Tour anyway. Um, so the the Aussies nearly beat them. The Argentinians gave them a scare, as we just said. Uh, South Africa would, I think, a second best team in the championship uh, so far, and they they play them this weekend. So I think that is a that is a really interesting one. Um, uh, yeah, we've been waiting for a decade to see the, the All Blacks really on the slide, haven't we? I don't think there's not really enough evidence to suggest they are, but there's, there's something something to, to nibble away out there. Okay, um, thank you. I think we gave it all a good dusting down there. But um, before we go, four of us, let's uh, look forward. It's another Premiership week, another Pro 14 week. A lot's happening. Owen, what are you looking forward to the most? Uh, well... I'm going. Um, we, we we discussed that. I'm not hyping up the latest great thing, but I'm going to go and see him on Sunday. Um, so I've seen a fair bit of uh, Marcus Smith on the on the box the last two weeks, and I'm going to the um, Was Harlequins game on Sunday, and that will be a cracker, I think. And uh, this boy did look pretty good last weekend, so I'm looking forward to seeing him in the flesh. Sarah. Um, I'm going to say Ulster Scarlets. So Scarlets have won both their games so far really easily. I think this is going to be a big test for them though because they've so far they've played the Kings and Zebra who haven't been performing. So can the Scarlets turn on, you know, they play a brilliant, well, I enjoy it game of rugby. I don't know if it's your type, Steve. Um, you know. Too many tries. <laughs> Just, you know, a bit super rugby basketball-esque maybe. Um, and this Johnny McNichol guy looks brilliant too. So I'm just interested to see how they get on at Ulster. We all know what a tough place. Ravenhill, that's what I'm going to call it is. Yeah, quite right too. And you actually going to Ravenhill? No, I'll okay. just watch that on TV Excellent. probably. Alex? <laughs> I'm going boozing again. Well done, mate. We thought we thought that. Okay. <laughs> is it going to be front page news on uh, Monday? <laughs> no, I'm going to go to Northampton. Well, I probably will. Uh, Northampton Bath on Friday night. Is um, that to do a report or is there stag do? <laughs> I'm going on Friday because I've got a massive session on Saturday. <laughs> No, I, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't, boss, honestly. No, I'm going on Friday night. Uh, I'm looking forward to Bath just to see see them again, really. I'm so impressed with, with the way they play in the first half and then that rear guard in the last 10 minutes to, to withstand that onslaught with, with a man short. And so, I'm, yeah, looking forward to seeing them again. Doesn't it, doesn't it, all joking apart, you know, that's suddenly become a big game now. The Premiership this season has started off fascinatingly. And, you know, Northampton now, suddenly, if they could beat Bath, they've had a good start to the season after losing the first by 50-odd. And, and, and Bath, you know, if, if they win that, they're three for three. So, a, a vital game. And um, I look forward to my week off. So I'm not doing anything. No rugby. I'm even going to watch Maidenhead on Saturday at Dings Crusaders. Now, what a, what a big one that'll be. Aren't you going to go to a Tyrrell's Premier 15s game? No, I'll keep an eye on it, though. But I, I could do with the crisps. <laughs> Good luck to the new Premier 15s league starting this weekend. Uh, thanks to Owen Slot. Thanks to the young godmother. 
and to the uh, Alex Lowe, who's with us again in body and also for a change in mind. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We're sorry if the sound quality was too good for you, but we'll be back next week.